0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Well, welcome this morning, and um, this is the second class in a series um, called um, Soft Mind and Receptivity. So um, as I did last week, I'll begin with this um, quote from the um, Buddha's teachings. When the Buddha knew that the householder's mind was ready, soft, free from hindrances, joyful and bright, he expounded the teaching special to the Buddhas. So, this quality of mind that receives, receives the deepest teachings. And um, just a little review. Last week um, I spoke to um, what soft mind is not. A lot spoke to what it's not. It doesn't have a driven quality to it. Um, This need to do and get and grasp. Um, It's not tense and and, um, tight. It's um, not about me and mine me and mine it's not about you know trying to uh force ourselves to be a certain way when we practice and then judging ourselves when we're not i also talked about um, the hindrances um the hindrances that um color the mind and um kind of make it hard to really see things clearly and um to um work with our minds to um to train them. So, um, so today I'd like to speak to um, the qualities that are associated with soft mind and um, how um, we really can, through our own wise efforts, cultivate this quality of softness and receptivity. Um, I mean, if we want to really create the conditions for receiving and hearing the Buddha's teachings um, as the householder was able to do. Um, uh, you know, and if we want to um, really connect with this, um, as Jack Cornfield puts it, um, the one who knows, we want to connect with that um, inner, inner, the one who knows, um, a really a soft heart and mind Um, is essential, and also essential if we really want to have a true sense of goodwill, goodwill towards ourselves, towards our own hearts, as we began the meditation, and then um, from here, goodwill um, towards others. And I'd also like to talk a little bit about right or wise effort, and right or wise concentration. These are steps on the Noble Eightfold Path that really form a, a, a kind of a foundation for establishing this quality of soft mind. So what, what are some of the qualities of a soft mind? Well, um, metta, that, um, that loving kindness um, that we began the uh, meditation with, that sense of, of um, kindness towards ourselves, um, that's, that's very essential. Um, for softening, for softening ourselves and our attitude towards ourselves and then towards others. Um, And then in keeping with the Buddha's teachings around mindfulness of the body and breath, um, he said, this is really the only practice that we need for liberation. Um, I would also say that tranquility, um, a, a sense of tranquility in the body, is a necessary uh, support for soft, for softening, for soft mind. And um, the Buddha um, often emphasized to um, the monks and nuns and lay people who practice with him that it um, that this practice that leads to softness and receptivity begins with cultivating a physical sense of tranquility through a concentrated breath meditation. Again, um, we, um, as we did this, as I went through this guided meditation, very much um, using the breath um, as a way to uh, concentrate and relax physically, bringing the breath um, through the entire body. So tranquility in the body, and I, um, I think that you know, I like to think of it as um, a fine cloth that um, that body and mind are woven together, like a fine cloth. And so, if we can relax and soften the body, the mind will tend to follow. And a soft mind um, is a mind that has let go. That's not. Um, caught up in that drivenness and wanting. And so, um, so to cultivate it we can really um, I encourage uh, practicing with our, our wantings and our desires and investigating them and understanding them bringing them into the light of um, our mindful awareness. And when we do this practice um, when we sit with our our wantings um, When we're aware during the day, I mean, all day long, there are wantings that arise, right? Um, So um, by bringing them into the light of our awareness, they begin to really lose the power to to drive our our actions, to drive us. Um, And I I think that um, as human beings... Desire, want, our wantings are kind of hardwired into us. They are really part of being human. But through our practice, we can um, kind of um, break the desire or the, the, the cycle of um, desire turning into craving. Desire, wantings turning into, I have to have that. I have to have it now. So, you know, this, how does this cycle go? Well, um, we, we experience something pleasant and the mind automatically wants to move towards it. <coughs> or something unpleasant, the mind wants to move away, get away, resist. So, um, so when we have a pleasant um, experience, um, you know whether it's um, a sense pleasure like um, the taste of some dish, or um, a, a sound, or or maybe it's a um, a pleasant way of a pleasant achievement that we want in life, or we want a particular pleasing lifestyle. These kinds of wantings are kind of. Um, there's different kinds of them. And if we're not mindful, then the, the, the mind can quickly move from this kind of wanting um, to craving, to craving that. And then it's caught. And the drivenness, that drivenness can take over. And um, the mind gets harder and brittle. Um, and it can't be receptive when we're caught in that kind of um, craving. Um, It can't be uh, receptive to our own inner wisdom. It's really often about getting something out there, not something that has to do with what's going on in here. So um, in Buddhism, this chain of events resulting in craving and grasping um, is... Uh, understood to be rooted in ignorance. A basic misunderstanding that, you know, true happiness, true happiness depends on something out there, something out there, on getting what we want. But as we practice and as we cultivate this softening, this soft mind, um, we begin to experience a certain peace, a certain peace. And the Buddha called it the bliss that is blameless. And it's really an inner state of being. Um, and you know, in the as we if people are just starting out in practice, they may just get a few tastes here and there of that. Um, but it really is um, It's this taste that begins to develop a trust um, and a confidence in this practice. And and over time, those tastes may become deeper and longer. And this is kind of what helps to keep us going. These little tastes in the beginning um, of um, a contentment that doesn't have anything to do with out there. So we continue, we are inspired to put forth our wise effort. A wise effort. And um, as I talked about uh, last week, there's also a certain um, uh, humbleness about soft mind, a humility that really um, helps us to put me and mine aside. And so as we put, as we're able to put me and mine aside more and more, we begin to get a taste of what um, in Buddhism we call the sublime abidings, the sublime abidings. We put me and mine aside and our hearts open and we begin to get a taste of um, the Brahma Viharas: compassion, compassion for ourselves and others, loving kindness, um, empathetic joy, we're happy when others are happy. Kind of, we, we, it's a contagious thing for us. We're happy when others are happy. And equanimity, you know, a kind of um, um, solidity, some balance in life. Ballast. So in my work in, um, as a spiritual caregiver in the hospital, um, I often would take a, a few moments um, standing outside the door of a patient's room, and kind of process what's what's going on with me and mine right now, with me in mind, you know, um, just recognizing, oh, I'm hungry. Um, I'm really tired. <laughs> uh, I'm sad from the last visit that I, I made. Um, I don't feel like being in a sick room today. just don't feel like it. So I would just stand outside the room and process that and kind of... 't feel, feel it in my body, and just bring it all into the light of mindful awareness, <clears throat> acknowledge it and and um, feel it and then and then I would just put it aside I could just put it aside for that period of time so that I could be um, truly present, really present for that person in the room and and it really um, this little practice that I did. And I encourage you to, to try it during the day. Take, take a moment sometimes. Recognize, you know, what are my wantings? What's all about me right now? What do I feel like I have to have? And, um, and then put it aside and see, really, was it wasn't really that important? Because what I found was that when I was able to put it aside and really be with um, another person uh, who is suffering... Um, it was very freeing for me. It was very freeing and very fulfilling. I felt lighter. And I'm not encouraging... um, I'm not encouraging, you know, self-neglect. We have to, obviously, we have to take care of ourselves. But I didn't really need to have something to eat right at that moment. (laughs) Um, I was tired, but, you know, when I engaged with the other person, I got energy. Um, We don't really always have to believe... When we um, believe these kind of stories in our minds, you know, I'm too tired to do that, or I'm not good enough to do that, or we don't have to believe all that. So. um, And so, yeah, so that balance um, in um, um, being mindful of of our own needs and then. uh, what is actually called for in a situation finding that balance um, is more, more the middle way in Buddhism there's a lot of middle finding that middle way um, balance is very important um, not one extreme where I'm only focused on my, my wantings, my needs all about me the other extreme um, oh I don't want to think about myself I'm only going to think about other people it's a balance, right? It's a balance. In order for us to really care for other people, we, we need to take care of ourselves. Something I really learned in the work that I was doing. So, um, so, our wise, right effort or wise effort in our practice, um, I think it's, pr- it's, Pretty common for people who um, are kind of looking at Buddhism from the outside. Um, I think they, um, a lot of people, feel that it's kind of a passive practice that we do—that we're just sitting and passively um, accepting everything. But um, if you've been practicing for um, any length of time, you know we've got our work cut out for us in our practice, right? There's a lot going on. It's through this a process of investigation that we're coming to know our own minds very intimately and coming to understand them so that we can train them um, so that we're not um, uh, totally uh, in their in, in the in control. Um, I had a um, a good friend who um, was trying to lose weight and um, and yet every time she'd pass a donut shop, she would have to go in and get a donut. You know, her, her mind, the craving in her mind, was able to take over. So through this practice, um, we're and through our own efforts, we're, we're working to really train our minds so we don't have to be... Um, so we don't end up doing things that we later regret. Our old patterns don't take over. Our old patterns, the stories, the thinking patterns the ways that we react. And to do that, that takes effort, right? It takes effort, it takes concentration. But the kind of effort that we put into our practice, the kind of effort is important. Um, It's kind of like in yoga, if you push too hard, if you stretch too far before the body is ready, then you can hurt yourself. You can cause damage. So uh, in that way, too, taking too much force with your mind um, can cause it to to react and to become even harder to train. So with too much force, sometimes we might get so frustrated with our practice that, you know, we come to it with expectations and we're trying to force um, a certain experience um, we may get so frustrated that we stop practicing, that we turn away. So, um, and we certainly lose any softness in our in our in the mind. So, so to use our powers of discernment and develop balance in this effort is important. Um, and sometimes I think you know we just have to trust that. Just showing up for ourselves, just as we are. Um, Letting go of our expectations. um, Bringing our hearts and minds with all the beauty and not-so-beautiful qualities. Bringing that all just into the light of mindful awareness is enough. Sometimes that's just enough. And then can we trust that by showing up that this practice will unfold in its own time? Can we trust and have confidence? But we have to show up consistently and develop confidence in our own ability to um, experiment with um, the different tools and techniques that are available to us in our practice. You know, what really, what's working for you in this particular moment? Um, And so this is the way we are really taking responsibility for um, our minds, our own minds, and um, understanding the ways that they cause, so much, cause us so much under, uh, suffering, cause us so much suffering, um, understanding that this is the necessary first step towards freeing ourselves from suffering, taking the responsibility, showing up, putting forth a balanced effort. So we're not just sitting passively. Um, it's, a noble, it's a noble practice, a noble effort um, that we do. And the Buddha showed us that, um, as he did, that he, um, through his own efforts, um, awakened and um, many others who followed also. And so when we practice, um, we can um, keep in mind that we are following in the footsteps of um, many others who went before, who through their own efforts um, were freed um, and found true happiness and contentment that really was not based on anything outside of themselves, getting getting things their way. So the other um, step on the noble eightfold path, wise concentration. Um, so, a concentrated mind uh, is also a, a tranquil or a soft mind. Um, so, a con- When people think about a concentrated a concentration practice, sometimes they think about something like um, like a laser beam kind of uh, focus. Um. But. Or, or, you know, a kind of um, concentration practice that kind of takes you away somewhere, somewhere else, somewhere away from yourself. Um, but that's not, um, that's not the concentration practice that we're talking about um, in Buddhism. Um, in fact, wise concentration is, is really very much about being present for the body and the breath. The breath meditation um, in particular, is what many people use quite effectively to um, to get concentrated. so um, when our awareness is focused in this way on body and breath, and particularly if we can bring the whole body um, into our breath meditation as we as we did um, when we began the morning, that gives us um, a real good solid foundation I, I don't know if you felt it if you were here for that part of the meditation when the breath was moving through the whole body I don't know if you had that sensation of solidity of foundation and um, this is the, um, the platform the foundation that we, um, from which we observe ourselves and from which we can listen, listen to our own minds and hearts Um, so concentration practice, you know, I, in the early years when I was practicing, I, um, I used counting, very different counting, um, techniques for concentrating my mind. I also used, um, a mala, um, a chain of beads and kind of going from one bead to the next with the breath. So, um, I found those to be very, um, effective tools for developing, a concentrated mind and so I thought I would um, actually uh, kind of open it up to you um, and see if um, any of you would like to share any particular tools or techniques that have helped you concentrate get your mind relaxed and, but focused does anyone want to share anything over there uh-huh.
1: I particularly like to work my way through the chakras, and I find starting at the crown chakra and working my way down mm-hmm. is helpful because whenever I start to kind of reach the, you know, the first chakra, um, I really feel as though I'm very deeply in my. Meditation, for some reason, I, it's, it's all to do with the kind of the grounding effect that you, um, you you spoke of earlier. Somehow, I feel that I'm much more grounded, and um, and sometimes I'll just be there and stay in that kind of place of, of grounding. Um, if I'm not where I want to be, I'll maybe re, re, you know start to focus on my breath, moving from the crown chakra downwards and then back up. And I kind of focus, I mean, this is another way I practice as well. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that's what I do exclusively, um, particularly trying to balance the energy. So um, I will draw my attention downwards on the inhale and up to the crown chakra on the exhale to create Mm -hmm. a balance in in the body. So these are two kind of techniques that I like to use, but they're they're both um, related to the chakra. And Beautiful.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Definitely very much uh, mindfulness of the body and breath, the first foundation of mindfulness. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else um, want to share anything? Does anyone have. Um, Does anyone have any questions about um, soft mind, receptivity, any of the things that I've talked about today that, um, that haven't been clear? Anybody have any questions?
2: Um, <clears throat> I use a technique called alternate breath breathing. Alternate breath? And I use it every time I sit down before I meditate. And it quiets the mind and it gets rid of all the thoughts. And it has some physiological effect, too. When you're doing right and left breathing, it changes your mind and how you're thinking. And it's actually quite good. It's very relaxing. And, and um, it calms you down when you have many thoughts. Uh-huh. And it settles it. So that's my... The, you, could you, you're could familiar you, with that, right? Sorry, sorry? You're familiar with that technique? Well, could you
0: describe it could, a little bit? You basically make this. like this, you close one box, breathe in through one, you hold it, and you breathe out through the other one. Ah, yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a, that's a very powerful technique as well. Yeah, thank you. So Yes, um so soft uh soft mind um I I I I realize that some people might look at that phrase and get kind of um, confused about what is she talking about? You know, um, as I, as I mentioned last week, um, you know, it's not about soft being soft in the head (laughs) or, um, um, you know, any of the other, it's again, someone um, from outside of our practice, outside of Buddhism might look at that phrase and go, I don't think I want that. (laughs) And um, certainly um, if your um, if your purpose in life, if if your focus in life is um, doing and getting, um, kind of rooted in a certain um, greed, greediness, or um, <laughs> basically greediness. I mean, drivenness is all about doing and getting. Um, you wouldn't want a soft mind. Um, so um, so I, don't, um, I, I don't think that um, it's something that, um, uh, like a um, uh, VP of sales would want to have or a, a CEO of a company might want to have. I, 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 you know, it might be, but, but generally, um, it kind of has to do with um, how, you, how you frame your, your life how you what is really important to you um, what is it that you know that is fulfilling and meaningful to you and and everyone 's different and for some people it is it is just um, you know having three houses and five cars and you know um, that 's the focus um, or or really being a top achiever in their in in your field um and there's nothing wrong with any of those. It's just that, um, it's kind of like what we all, we each of us have to ask ourselves, you know, what, what is really important to me? Um, what is it I, what, what is it that I find fulfilling? What is it, um, that I want for myself, um, in this life? This, um, amazing gift that we have, right? It's a, it's truly, um, a gift. So, um, how do we want to spend our time? What do we want to put our um, wise energy, um, wise effort into? Um, so, um, to end then, before we, um, before we sit together... To, to end the morning, um, I thought I would share with you um, a verse that, was, um, that is attributed to the Buddha himself. And um, the Buddha is um, describing um, his mind after his awakening. And he, um, he refers to his mind um, in this verse. As house um, builder, house builder, house builder, you have now been seen. You shall not build the house again. Your rafters have been broken down, your ridgepole shattered. My mind has attained the peace of nirvana and reached the end of every kind of craving. So before we sit together again, any other questions? Anything anyone would like to say before we sit together? Yes?
3: Well, I worked for one small startup where I think the CEO was, shall we say, selectively soft mind. Uh, He was able to use his soft mind uh, thing to create a certain kind of spirit of community within within the company. Oh, lovely. I, I think he... I think he was more hard-minded when dealing with the outside world, but I think he was more soft-minded when dealing with his own employees. So I guess I I thought that worked for him. Uh, Uh
0: Oh, an enlightened CEO.
3: (laughs) Right. Uh, Oddly enough, he was not the top guy who practiced meditation. There was another top guy at that company who was a meditation practitioner. At least he had a meditation fountain in his office um, uh, who I actually did not think was that cool. Uh, but uh-huh. the, the one, the, it was actually the CEO, the one who was, it was, it was his right-hand man who had the meditation fountain, it was actually uh-huh. The CEO was, as far as I know, not a practitioner oh. of meditation, but I actually felt he embodied some of these Buddhist ideals better than the one who did. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is kind of a funny experience of mine. So that's what you made me think of.
0: Well, that's that's, uh, kind of rare, I'd say, in the business world. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Unfortunately, um, I think that um, in business, if the um, people in charge cared, really cared for the people who work for them, and there are companies like this, um, I think that... um, The chances of success are greater. Um,
3: It's easier to practice that, I think, in a small startup with only 20 employees. uh, It it may be uh, harder to do with with a large thing.
0: Yes.
4: In light of this conversation, one thing I was thinking about, because I can relate to this, it's summertime, and I've been playing a little bit more tennis, and um, I could be really hard on myself, and I am competitive, but I I always attribute that maybe it's age where I'm kind of mellowing out, but it's also my practice, and it doesn't make me less effective. Like, um, instead of taking it so seriously and being so tied up in Uh a knot... I'm actually more relaxed and nicer probably to others and um, enjoying it myself personally. Mm So, you know, I I think I started thinking about the business model and um, I don't know about a corporation and um, it does make sense what we just talked about. But um, I think people can develop soft minds and still maintain and still have some of the qualities that other qualities come up to meet it and 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 just move in when it's needed in in maybe a more um, wise way and a more gentle and kinder way towards mm-hmm. oneself and mm-hmm. others. And so I'm not so sure that... Um, <laughs> I don't know about the CEO question, but I, I'm pretty sure anyone can have a soft mind mm-hmm. when they need it or they can... Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Well, it's certainly... Um, I'm sorry, did you want to... Did you say... Okay. <laughs> um, well, um, you know there's a certain wisdom um that's required um i think to know um when when it if if you're in a situation where sometimes you can't be soft but to know when you can and when you can't and uh, finding that balance um takes a certain wisdom and um i'm sure that in the business world there are people who are wise and um who, um, who may not be driven completely by greed. <laughs> so I don't mean to say that um, it's all like that. But um, I certainly see a lot of it around here, the drivenness um, and the, the, um, hard, um, the, the hard pushing, the hard pushing towards success and money. And it's all around us. <laughs> But not, you know, not, not for. It's not true for, for all business people and all businesses. So thanks for thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> Anybody else? Maybe just for clarity. I mean, are
2: you... So so are you? What I was hearing from you uh, before was was that uh, that you uh, feel as though a soft mind might not be appropriate for someone with drive. Or, I mean, I guess... It may um, not be
0: appropriate for someone... For someone
2: who has a lot of drive. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and I was just thinking about what if you, you know, if you have a drive for something like a... If you're a social activist or something like that, which, I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I would call that greed. Um, so mm-hmm. it's not for material mm-hmm. things, but it is something that you really need to be focused on and just, you know, mm-hmm. um, Martin Luther King or someone... Uh, yeah, for, yeah. For
0: example.
2: I, I, so when you talk about a soft mind... Um, I, I guess, you know, with some of the, the comments that I was hearing that I, um, maybe I'm feeling a little more um, comfortable with it. But uh, just, just the, the thought, mm-hmm. is, is it ever something that would be hard to switch on and switch off? You know, if it's something that, you, you know, you focus on having a softer mind and something you really work for a lot, but then you realize this, there's a moment where I need to have passion for this and I need to have drive or whatever mm-hmm. you call mm-hmm. it. Is that something that would be difficult
0: well again its it's uh, I think the question of balance, right? Um, so I think we all know people who um, are very much caught up in social justice and um, find it very, very difficult to um, to live in the world um, because they're so um, they're, they're so focused on trying to make everything better and and so in, in, it's burnout happens you know that that drivenness. Um, without um, the ability to, like a soft mind, is receptive. So we put forth our best effort, but if it doesn't um, come out, if it doesn't get fixed the way we want it to get fixed, we're still okay. But, but many people who get caught up in, um, in you know, um, trying to make things right in the world um, they end up really harming themselves because there's so many things that are going wrong, and you know if you're not um, if you're not mindful of your own um, energy and expectations, and um, your own need to stay soft and receptive, um, particularly for as you practice, um, then um, you know it can be it can be very difficult.
1: Um, yes. Well, I kind of teach yoga and uh, I mean I, one, of the, one of the things that I tend to focus on when I'm teaching yoga is um, the yamas and the niyamas, which for me really are just they're perfectly intertwined with the Buddhist teachings as well. Mm-hmm. Um, And, you know, I start off by saying that the first, the the, the yama, the beginning yama is ahimsa, which is non-harming, and then you have all of these others, and that's the bedrock for everything else. And then um, one of the other um, kind of practices is aparigraha, which is non-grasping. And so everything that you do has got to be based upon, kind of, everything filters back or kind of flows back into ahimsa. So if you become very Grasping, um, it can harm you, right? Mm-hmm. If you um, have a sense of acceptance of something not kind of working out perfectly, then you're practicing ahimsa mm-hmm. but you can still have a desire you you know you can still have mm-hmm. you know something that you you set as goals I think as human beings we're very kind of goal oriented sometimes a little bit too much which is where you end up having the the kind of the the, the risk of harming yourself but I think it all comes back to what you've been saying is kind of like it's moderation. It's finding that middle path and kind of maybe putting out there you have a desire and you have a goal, but if it doesn't manifest itself in the timescale that you want, then mm-hmm. you don't beat yourself up over it and you accept exactly. it with, um, you know, with a sense of true you know, recognition that this is the right path for you. So that's how I kind of view this kind of discussion.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Wise wise effort. A wise effort is a balanced effort.
3: Well, I just got back from nine days of summer camp where I was teaching a uh, science camp where I was teaching a workshop on aerodynamics, and uh, it occurs to me that in order for a bird to fly, the front of its wing has to be hard, and the back of its wing has to be soft, <laughs> and those are both required for a bird to fly through the air. I <laughs> so,
0: I love that. Thank you.
3: Draw whatever conclusion from that you wish. I won't. I won't comment further.
0: <laughs> I love that. Thank something you. Something new. Um, this
4: is my first time in meditation, and it was great. Uh, my mind wanders all over, but. Um, I could tell my breath was relaxed and my body and mind were relaxed as well Um, but in just connecting to the conversation that we were just having uh, myself being a person who comes from recovery um, there's the serenity prayer I don't know if Mm -hmm. anybody's familiar Mm -hmm. with that but Mm -hmm. I think that kind of uh, sums it up in, you know, accepting the things we cannot change and changing the things that we can mm-hmm. and knowing the difference. Mm-hmm. So I Exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. Beautiful. Um, <clears throat> so um, one thing that I wanted to um, kind of um, a metaphor uh, I wanted to use um, to end with um is uh, you know with this practice, I think um, there, and this is in keeping with soft mind receptivity. There is uh, over time a shift that can a shift that can happen in um, the way that we perceive things, and um, so um, one of the examples that I like is <clears throat> if you imagine yourself, your your um, driving uh, your life is like driving. You're driving through life. And um, you have the sense that you really are, for for a while, you you feel that you are actually driving into it, into your life. But when that shift happens in perspective, you have all of a sudden a sense that, um, that your life and experience is coming to you. And that's a really big shift. Um, and I don't know if you can imagine that, or maybe you've had, um, an experience kind of like that, but, um, I, I think, um, I think that, um, as we practice, um, we have more and more a sense that, um, that we're not driving into life, but that, um, that our life and experience is coming to us. So why don't we, um, sit for a few minutes then, and, um and then um, I'll ring the bell. So I'd like to end with a verse from the Buddhist teaching on loving kindness. Let none deceive another nor despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings. pleasure sitting with with you all and talking with you and um, have a wonderful afternoon.